For Millo, I'm Preston, and you're listening to Sidegig, the show about what it really takes to start and run a successful side hustle. You know the show host from season one. There's Ryan, Ian, and me, Preston. We've all built thriving side businesses while holding down successful day jobs. And in today's show, we catch up after a long break between seasons. We've all had some incredible changes in our side hustling journey, and it's been fun to catch up and hear what's new. We'll also share our top recommendations for where to actually work on your side business, and a few of the ideas that the guys come up with really might surprise you. It's a fun episode loaded with some real value, and we really think you're going to enjoy it. Show notes for this episode can be found at sidegigshow.com slash 2.1. And before we jump in, I'd like to thank this season's sponsor, findsidegigs.com. It's a free lead generation service for freelancers and those looking to earn some extra income on the side. To take your side gig to the next level with Find Side Gigs, visit sidegigshow.com slash find and subscribe to their free weekly gig list to get started. That's sidegigshow.com slash find. Thanks to our sponsors, findsidegigs.com. Let's jump in mid-conversation with Ryan, Ian, and myself, and I'll be back after our conversation for some parting thoughts. I, I was thinking, is it worth kind of taking it in turns for 10 minutes and just doing like an update of where we are since the last series? Yeah, absolutely. So a lot has happened. We've been in touch a little bit, right, uh, as we've been planning this season and that sort of thing. And it sounds like a lot has happened. Ian, do you want to kick us off with yeah, a couple okay. updates? So <laughs> I guess the last time uh, we did a podcast was... Uh, when I was actually living in uh, Reading, which is near London, and and since then I've actually completely relocated. So I've moved about two hundred miles up north, and um, I'm now I've actually bought a house, and the cost of buying that house is half the amount of money that I was renting. <laughs> so it's a significant um, saving, but also I'm able to buy a house. That's crazy. Um, it's, it's a it's a three bed house with a big garden out the back and allocated uh, parking area outside the front, and um, that's like allowed me to have my own little studio as well. So now I've actually got like a proper office space with like a full length desk. Um, like it's it's a proper working environment, and uh, I guess that's been my main focus for the bulk of the last year because that took a lot of effort to completely relocate. Um, do you have a guest room for Preston and I? Yeah, yeah that's right. Guest room. Yeah, we do. If you guys <laughs> want to come here, I don't. Obviously, I don't live in the most uh, amazing area because I I bought a house that is uh, very cheap. Because say like, say say if where I used to live, if I wanted to buy a house of this size with a garden, it would probably be around what four hundred thousand. But here you can get the equivalent of that for about a hundred thousand. <laughs> Just wow, a bit that's incredible. so it's significantly cheaper. But it's, I mean, it's cow. it's not the most amazing area, but I can get into London in two hours. I can walk to. I've still got my part-time job, and I can walk there in like fifteen minutes and back. So, wow. what it's allowed me to do is, um, I got a proper office set up so I can work properly. Um, whilst previously I was kind of just working in like a desk in in my bedroom and. I had this problem where it was hard to separate work and life, but now it's like I do work in this room and then I can close the door and separate the, the, the two. So that's been really useful. So uh, I used to like go out to a lot of cafes and 
Um, I even had a co- like I I had a desk at a co-working space, which I was paying for. But now I've got everything at home, so I've actually got a lot more time as well. So that that was my main focus for that. So that's yeah, that's going really well. And I, I've obviously, uh, as I've been going, I've also been working on projects. Um, I've started my own podcast. That's been going really well. Um, I've been doing more um, guest interviews on podcasts as well. I'm just trying to get, you know, physically more comfortable actually speaking, you know, into a microphone as we are now. Um, yeah. What else have I been doing? I've been increasing my prices. So, yes. I got a that's project awesome. that's probably like four times the value of the biggest project that I got previously. Wow. So yeah, rather than just doing a logo, this one this one's a full on branding project with the packaging and all sorts of stuff, which is really cool. Um, yeah, la- last month was probably the first month that I really got to focus, and I made crazy amount of money. It's insane, but that's booked me out until the end of the year, so I need to factor that in as well. <laughs> that's a cool like. That's a cool. Um, Good problem. Yeah, it's a great problem to have. It's a cool lesson too, like in terms of side gig to full-time or whatever that transition where you start to focus more on your side business uh like i think for those of us who maybe are more tentative like i know i'm this way at least um tentative to sort of make the switch from part-time side business to full-time running your business uh it's it's i've heard this like multiple times from multiple people i'm experiencing it now myself it's like once you actually dedicate the time and focus instead of an hour here an hour there it's incredible the kind of synergy in terms of just the hours that you put together and the results that you can bring just by adding a little bit more focus to the work that you're doing. Mm-hmm. I just find it so amazing because you... I've got a white I got a whiteboard in this room as well, and I, I wrote down a plan. And you know, three months later, I actually made all of the stuff happen that was on my plan. And uh, I don't know, it felt easy just because I have the time and the resources to do it. It's really cool. Yeah, that's awesome. I think it's incredible. Good for you. Hell yeah. So Ryan, you've had some big changes too, right? Didn't you move like two states away? <laughs> I've, I'd say I've had almost as much change as Ian. I haven't bought a house that is on the to-do list soon. Nice. Now that I'm in Denver, moved from San Francisco. So real estate prices went from, you know, looking at the average home being like <laughs> 1.5 to 2.5 million yeah. down to, gosh, here. I don't think we can get anything you know, that we would want to live in, in the hundred thousand dollar range like you, Ian, but yeah, pretty realistic. I would say like 400 to like 700,000 is sort of like the three bedroom, two bath kind of house pricing in Denver proper. Yeah. Um, and if you go so a little having bit outside, that prospect, a little bit cheaper. Realistic. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's a huge, like, you know, the Denver greater area, Denver metro area, whatever you want to call it is like, several million people so there's a lot going on here i'm i'm really enjoying it i'm coming to you guys right now from my guest bedroom where i'm looking around i see a few boxes still that need to be unpacked this is uh we're literally two weeks into our time in denver so it's been a fun new adventure congrats man that's awesome and i guess on the on the work front yeah just about as much change for me too i similar to Ian, launched my own podcast um, back in July of 2017. And so that went really well. Got a sponsor on board straight out the gates, um, largely thanks to uh, work we did with the first podcast, Preston. So thank you for that. Of course, that's killer. Um, 
I'm going to be honest, and the podcast as been well, great. like um, I was able to get a sponsor for mine and that was only through the advice of you guys from this podcast, yeah. to be honest. So that's yeah, killer. That's and, and it helped that her voice was already on the somewhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. And and you know what? Feel free, really quick, plug your shows real quick. I think um, I've, I've listened to both of them. I can highly recommend both of them. I think they're killer. Why don't you go in? Why don't you go ahead and plug yours first, and then Ryan? Hey, so yours. basically, mine is called Logo Geek, and um, you know, as per the topic, is a show about logos. And what I'm doing as part of that is like interviewing, I guess, well-known names within the industry, um, which include people like um, David Airy, Aaron Draplin, um, Christo, just just to name drop a few people. That I've got some really good um, guests on there. So what I've done is a ten-part season one. And um, I didn't know how it was going to go, but it's it's been so good, you know, for me personally, you know, to be able to talk to all these people and, um, you know, to actually get people listening and, and to know it's gen- genuinely helping quite a large number of people. I decided to go on to a second season and I've got so many names I want to interview. I'm, I, I can't believe the people that are, that are actually saying yes is, you know, I've, I literally... <laughs> being able to spend like an hour or two hours with people that I've been idolizing since I was a kid is the coolest thing I could ever so do, cool. to be honest. I mean, I think that's a huge advantage of doing a podcast, even if, like you said earlier, Ian, like even if you don't have a sponsor, even if there's not like this direct business model behind it, getting to talk to people who, you know, are maybe three rungs ahead of you of where you want to be or whatever, it's such a huge advantage. It's actually one thing that I wish I did better um, If while we're all plugging our other podcasts uh most people listening to this show probably know about Milo's other podcast which is freelance to founder we interview freelancers and solopreneurs who have scaled and grown grown their business to be bigger than just themselves and um but one of my biggest regrets is although i have an an amazing co-producer um brandon he gets to talk to all the people like he gets to interview them and he gets to spend time with them and make connections with them and and he connects me with them and we chat via email but it's not the same when you can sort of sit down with them for an hour or a couple hours and really pick their brain on on you know where they've been and how they've done what they've done. So that's super cool. I'll recommend the oh, yeah. um, it, Logo I mean, podcast it, too for for not just logo design stuff, but like sort of the business of logo design. Like the the Aaron Draplin episode was amazing. I thought he he really went into like dealing with clients and getting the right kinds of jobs and all that sort of thing, and it was excellent. Thank you. Yeah, I was going to say, um, sorry, I lost my train of thought. Now you guys carry on. <laughs> so Ryan, tell us a little bit about your show. <laughs> I'll step in. Yeah, so my show uh, launched in July. I've been going at a freaking breakneck pace. Just released my 29th episode oh my gosh, uh, last Crazy. night, <laughs> which is insane. I got to say, it's been killing me. So I am slowing down to one episode a week now. <laughs> what were you doing previously? Two, it's, it's called, I was doing two a week, yeah. Yeah, which is bonkers in terms of workload. So yeah, it's it's called the Side Hustle Project, um, and basically it's kind of a varied format for the show. I do some episodes where it's just solo, me doing a deep dive on a topic that I feel you know particularly passionate about, um, and then I mix in interviews. Done a lot more interviews lately, so people like Chris Gilbo, who just released uh, his Side Hustle book last week. Oh, actually, such a good book, by the way. Have you guys read it yet? Oh, it's great. I'm about halfway through. Yeah. It's killer. Yeah, it's it takes a really cool approach to sort of like the, you know, like step by step, this is what you got to do on this day. And the idea is that, you know, by the end of reading the book, it's taken you 27 days to read the book and you have successfully launched a project, yeah. right? So that's 
cool concept for a book. Um, I like that flow. And yeah, I've been, you know, similar to what you guys are saying, like this podcast has basically been my excuse to meet cool people that I've wanted to talk to for forever. And so like, yeah, Pat Flynn also on the podcast, um, James Altucher. I've gotten a lot of like sort of uh, best-selling business authors. That seems to be sort of my niche of people. Um, someone, Ian, that you should definitely have on your show, Debbie Millman, was really, really great to guest. To to um, she sort of <laughs> talked about how she started out as, you know, designing on the side and podcasting on the side and how all these things have sort of like grown into a snowball effect for her over the years. That was a really cool episode um, that I think everyone should check out. But yeah, I've aside from the podcast, um, definitely been staying busy with client work. So I still do my freelance content marketing stuff um, in addition to my own blog. Um, so balancing that right now, I'm actually producing a huge online summit with one of my clients, um, Close.io. And so I'm like ramping up the number of interviews I'm doing. I'm interviewing doing video interviews rather with 50 people around sales and SaaS. So it's been uh, another great opportunity to hone my interview skills for sure. Sounds yeah, amazing. Wow. <laughs> Nothing like jumping straight into the fire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. I, was, I love I was gonna the... say, Go ahead. The, uh, the, the, the coolest thing that I found interviewing um, idols is it, it really breaks down a lot of barriers. Like, um, because obviously you're having the conversation during the actual interview itself, but I, I don't know about you guys, but I, I tend to chat with them for maybe 10 minutes uh, just before. And um, there have been some, some times where I'm able to talk for maybe even as much as an hour afterwards, which is so cool. And, um, you know, people like Chris Doe, who, um, I don't know, he's just suddenly become an extremely big deal. He's actually invited me on his podcast and that opportunity would have never have came come about. So it's kind of like that whole domino effect that the more things like this you do, the more people that you start to network with and, you know, these other opportunities come up. So um, for me, I, I just feel like it's kind of like doing doing a podcast is that next level. It's really yeah, cool. I, I agree with that. And, you know, I think it's so fun too. Like, I, I don't know about you guys, but I remember watching blogging sort of start to take off and obviously people have been blogging for a while but then there was like it felt like this tipping point where everyone started blogging and then like a couple years later I started blogging right and I was sort of sad that I missed like that early wave of excitement when everyone was creating something new and interesting and I feel like people have been caught podcasting for years but obviously like over the last two or three years we've had this surge of new podcasts and new ways to podcast new ways to tell stories and um, it's fun to be a little bit closer to the front end of that wave this time, um, experimenting with some different formats and and just releasing some really really good content. So, bravo, guys! That's awesome. I'll um I'll just add quickly, and then we can jump into the main main meat content, I guess, for this uh, for this show. I <clears throat> it feels like maybe we're all just living the same life in different places. <laughs> I um I moved recently as well. Um, I only moved about 10 or 15 minutes away. Uh, we wanted to be a little bit closer to where my son goes to school, and we needed a little bit bigger space to grow into, so we're hoping to be here for a while. Um, and <clears throat> I also moved closer to a job that I got. So in, uh, let's see, we're recording in October. In February, I got a new job uh, at a place quite a bit closer to home, and then we moved even closer, so it was like a 10-minute commute. It was magical. It was awesome. Uh, yeah. But... Uh, 
just a couple weeks ago, actually, I got let go from that job. They The project I was working on needed quite a bit longer of a runway than they had financially because they lost a big client right after starting the project and hiring me. So it was kind of this big mess. But um, so now we're all in very similar places. Like I'm working full time on Milo. You guys are working most of your hours on your own businesses. And we've all moved. And I think it's just an awesome way to kick off this season where we're all sort of all in the same place. Um, I think it's cool too. Like we can in this show now we can talk about what it feels like to go from side giggers, side hustlers to working on your business full time or almost full time. Um, something that, you know, that transition that a lot of side hustlers really dream about. Um, we can really elaborate on what that looks like. And some of us more than others, like Ryan, I know you've been at it a little bit longer and, um, I've been at it maybe two or three weeks. So, uh, I think it's a cool opportunity for us to talk in this season about that transition. Mm-hmm. Sounds good. And it's funny you mentioned sort of, you know, earlier your freelance to founder show. That's, I would say, been a big part of me being able to scale up my involvement in, you know, my own business as sort of like a manager versus me writing every single individual piece for my clients. Yeah. Like I have a couple of writers now that I outsource cool. at least a first draft to. And then I'm kind of like an editor and I focus more on, you know, like the different components of what I'm doing for every client versus being in the trenches for like every post. So I would say that's, that's been one of my biggest transitions too over the last year is sort of stepping out of like the nitty nitty gritty details and being more of a manager. Yeah. I love that. I think and that's a great point to hit. I think when you're like running your own thing, whether you're doing it on the side or full time, to me, there's certain value in, in doing some of that work up front by yourself. And learning what it takes and, and you know, the roadblocks and the, the difficulties and what comes easy and what doesn't. And then hiring someone so that you there's some context. Because it's it's sometimes it's hard to hire someone who um, to do a certain job that you haven't done. Because they'll start to, you know, tell you about roadblocks. And you're like, well, that's just an excuse or whatever. And it's a lot easier if you sort of have context around it. Obviously, there are jobs where it makes sense just to hire someone right out the gate. Someone who knows more about it than you do. But, um, but I think it's a cool, like a cool side effect of, of a side hustle is, is that you can hire, you can do the job first yourself and then hire later on. And it's kind of a cool way to build a business in my mind. I know I read a book a few years ago. I'm trying to think what it's called. Um, but basically the outcome of this book was that you need to work on your business and not in your business. So at the moment, for me, being honest, I'm actually working in my business and not necessarily on it. But what I am trying to do is, I guess what you guys have done to some extent with content creation is you're outsourcing it more. Um, One step that I have done towards that is taking on someone that can help with just getting back to people by email. So Uh I've got a friend who um, she works in um, film. So basically she has like a six month period where she's working on a film and then she's got all this free time so she keeps she's been asking me for some time is there anything that I can do to help because I'm really bored whilst I'm not working so I'm you know kind of made a deal with her that you know she can just spend a couple of hours each day going through um all new inquiries and just getting back to them with like a template email that I wrote so all she needs to do is copy and paste this bog standard email which kind of runs through uh, what the client might potentially be interested in. She just needs to write a, a very brief intro just to like customize it. 
And if anyone wants to go ahead, she'll just forward it to me and I'll go through that. So that's that's freed up hours of my time. Oh yeah. <laughs> and it filled it kind of weeds out all the all the all the time wasters out there because I, I mean I, with logos it's one of those funny things where people don't know how much they cost because you know you can literally go online and buy a logo for five dollars you can also buy one online for a hundred thousand so you know I get lots of fifty dollar logos but when that you know decent um, project comes in she can kind of get on it and then I can just jump straight on it as soon as she forwards it over and for me that's that's been a uh, I I guess that's freed up a lot of headspace because when when you're kind of working three days a week in a job and you come home and you've got 10 emails coming in, uh, previously I, I could sit there the entire evening and not do everything and it's exhausting. But now I can come home and chill out a bit and um, actually focus on projects. So it's cool. It, I mean, it helps me book book my calendar out in a, in, in advance. Like I'm literally booked out until the end of the in, until the end of the year, and I've got so. projects booked in every week. Um, and you know, f- if I was doing that on my own now, I'd be like, no more projects now. I need to clear these out and then start booking them in. But she can keep getting back to people by email, and you know, probably even start booking stuff in for next year soon. That's awesome. Ian, have you gotten to the point where you have like a minimum budget for a logo related project? Um, Is that how you sort of like filter? Yes, it's a it's a funny thing with logos because there doesn't seem to be a, a threshold. So um, now I'm at a point where I'm, I'm generally booked out like two months in advance. So I guess the minimum project is like 600 pounds now. And to think when I first started it, um, you know, I was like taking 100 pounds. But there, I mean, there's been a few inquiries that come in where people have had budgets of like ten thousand pounds, and wow. um, like one that I just um, booked in now. That's it's a three grand project just for a like. It's crazy. <laughs> I never thought that it would be possible. Just like nothing else. Just literally a logo project for several thousand. I I just find that insane. Um, but yeah, I, I guess what I'm trying to do is take on logos with other things. So. There's a really cool project I'm working on at the moment with a company in the States and I'm working on, I, I started with the logo and then I did the label for their first uh, product, just finished the one for the next one. And I think I'm going to be doing the entire range. He's got me in on some web stuff. So, I mean, that project on its own is, I mean, bearing in mind, it's probably only like a couple of weeks work. That on its own was worth, what, two grand? In, yeah that's what, awesome wow. four or five days <laughs> yeah um yeah that rocks crazy <clears throat> that's killer well i think uh let's why don't we jump into today's topic then a little bit it sounds like we're at a good good point to transition it's great to hear what you guys are up to um i i think we can do a quick little update maybe not quite this long but a quick little update every episode and just update everyone on on what's happening in our businesses and um and maybe in our new houses. I'm I'm right now in our unfinished basement with way more than a few boxes. I don't remember which one of you said there was a couple boxes around. I think maybe Ryan. Did. <laughs> but I am. It's like it's it's a disaster down here. But that's okay. Um, I want to jump in today. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, our our favorite sort of or or the best places that we have found that you can work on your side hustle. Part of you know one of the biggest pain points for side hustlers is not being able to find one the time to work on their side business and two, 
you know, they, they sort of go hand in hand time and, and like location, meaning where can I crack open my laptop for a half hour uh, at any random given moment and, and work on my business a little bit. Um, so maybe you guys, who wants to kick it off with, with one of their favorite places for sort of working on the actual work that has to get done on your business? Hmm. Yeah, I can start off. Great. Um, so for me, like, I want to think back to, you know, when I was doing this truly, truly on the side, right? So now it's, it's a little different. I can go to like a co-working space, you know, anytime I want. But, you know, back when I was working on my blog on the side and like taking on a couple of freelance clients, um, I would dedicate the hours before work to working on my side projects. So I would get up at like 4 or 4.30 in the morning um, and try and hit a coffee shop basically yeah. at like 6 a.m. when most of them open. So kind of depends on, you know, where you live, what hours there are available for doing something like a coffee shop or like, you know, when I lived in San Francisco, there were a ton of co-working spaces that only charged by the hour. And it was like nice. literally two or three dollars per hour. Oh, so wow. something like that, like I went to um, my favorite one in San Francisco was called Workshop Cafe. And it's right downtown, um, like a short bike ride away from me. But for me, like the important thing, regardless of where I went, was that I was out of my house. Because especially in like the super early hours of the morning, like if I don't get out and get some fresh air, go for a walk, bike ride, whatever, to get me to somewhere that's not my comfort zone, um, I couldn't get any productive work done. So if I tried to go like sit at my kitchen table or sit on the couch or something, I would find that the temptation to go to sleep again or to, you know, relax, do something not work related was just too strong. So for me, you know, the easiest stuff has always been coffee shops and, you know, hourly co-working spaces. That's really cool. I, I agree with that idea of getting out of your house, especially um, if there are any listeners who are trying to build a side hustle and they have kids, um, like, I, you know, I'm too much of a sucker for my kids <laughs> to, to work at my house because, you know, they come around and I just want to play with them or talk to them or, or spend time with them. Um, same, I mean, it, the same goes for, for any loved ones, I guess. Like I, I feel the same way about my wife. If you have a significant other living with you, it, it can be hard to, to prioritize your business over spending time with the people that you care about. So, um, I think that's a, that's a good point. And actually, um, I, I love the idea of, of like going, trying to go to the same kind of, or, or get in a routine, I guess, every morning, like, like you say, you would wake up, you'd maybe go for a walk or a bike ride, and then you'd go and get some work done. I think one of my, one of my biggest pointers is to try to find the same, same place, or at least same kind of place to work in. There's something like psychological, I don't know if there's any studies on it, but for me, there's something psychological about going to, to a certain place and getting work done. Um, for me, it was when I was working my full-time job for me, it was riding the train. I think last season we talked about, I, I was building Milo on the side while I was riding the train to and from the city every day about, you know, a 40 minute train ride there and back. And I just like, as soon as I got on the train, my, I could just feel my brain like switched over. I was just like in the zone, ready to work. My body knew that that's where I got my work done. And now it's kind of the same too. Like now I go work at the library for now and, um, and I just like I've found this desk that is never taken and I just sit at it and I like that's just where I get my stuff done. It's just my my zone. So I think, yeah, for me. So it's actually really funny that you mentioned that specific desk because I had have always had 
the one spot, yeah. you know, whichever coffee shop I'm in, whichever co-working spot I'm in, like I will sit in the same exact spot every time. And that's, <laughs> yeah. my and if someone's in it, you're like, well, I'm not getting anything done today. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in my case, um, I've, I've tried a few different things over the uh, last year just to kind of, um, find my, my feet to some extent. Um, the most useful one has probably been like you guys have said, where I've actually gone out to a coffee shop, like where I used to live. There was there was a fantastic coffee shop where upstairs in the morning it was always very quiet, and um, it's almost like they built it for this reason to actually sit down and work. So you know you could you could buy a coffee and a cake, and um, you know sit down, open up the laptop, and and do some work, and uh, had an internet there and everything. And um, what I really liked about that place is it was perfect for even meeting clients. You could actually take clients in there and um, you know find a like a circular uh, table um, to to sit down, open up your laptop, and actually have like a quite a formal meeting in that space. That was fantastic. Um, I've also tried. Uh, there was one point where I had a, a physical permanent desk at a co-working space, um, which I only did for what three months. And uh, I mean, I, I stopped doing that just purely because I planned to actually relocate. And uh, now, I've actually, um, you know, got my own personal home office which is to be honest where I tend to do most of my work and because I've got it all set up you know as an actual work environment when I do sit down in here I tend to get very focused anyway um, but I am keen to kind of find somewhere else to work maybe in town so now and again I can just kind of mix things up but since I've got this home office space um, I've I found that I get a lot of work done so uh I don't know what's different about it, but I, I guess because, you know, work and life is very separate, like the only stuff in here is actually for work. I can just sit down and, and focus and just crack on with things straight away. Absolutely. I think I can see that working. Yeah, I, I totally can see that working. And I think that I think what we're all identifying is like that separation, right? Ryan goes for a walk or a bike ride. Ian, you have a dedicated space in your house. I have to get out of the house most times. Um it just the the key i think the takeaway here is like find a way that your brain knows that it's time to work not time to take a nap or watch tv or whatever it is you do normally when you're not working spend time with family like there there's i think there's a certain power in having your brain make that switch another thing i just thought yeah. of um which is slightly different is um i do a lot of work on uh social media um, I mean, it, it's not paid work as such, but I, I guess I see it as marketing. So to some extent, it, it is work, but I'm able to do that on the go. So I've got my phone. So say if I'm sat on a train for half an hour, I I tend to just open up my phone and um, flick through it and, you know, post a few uh, tweets or, you know, speak to people in uh, like a Facebook community I have. And, uh, you know, that type of thing you can really do on the go. Like sometimes say if I've literally got 10 minutes and I'm waiting for a friend, I'll flick open my phone and literally do that on the go. And I found, um, you know, just doing these like 10 minute things here and there every single day, it mounts up long term. It's true. And I think, you know, you can spend those 10 minutes playing Candy Crush or or whatever, um, or you can spend them working on your side business. I, that, that was one that I had listed um, that I thought of ahead of time, which was 
yeah, it's great to go to a coffee shop. It's great to go to a co-working space. Like all of these things were also on my list and they're, they're super powerful. But, but I think when you're doing a side gig specifically, it, it's kind of like get the work done wherever you can. Like I, I remember working full time and I would, I had a wa- a long walk down the hall from my desk to the bathroom <laughs> and I literally would use that long walk. Every time I went to the bathroom, I'd check my, my, my own personal, like my business email um, I would, yeah, check social media. I would, and, and I would do business like in, in the 50 feet between my desk and the bathroom. I'd, I'd seal a deal on a sponsorship or I'd reach out to someone new or I'd connect with someone new or whatever via email. I mean, there are little things you can do. Yeah. While you're waiting for your train or while you're whatever, there are, there are a million moments in the day where if you pay attention to it, you're probably wasting them. You're probably spending them doing something not that productive. And if you're really serious about a side hustle, those are great moments to take advantage of to get some work done. And I would actually throw one more kind of, you know, maybe not on the surface obvious place to do side hustle work into the mix. Um, Back when I was working at Creative Live still, the last full-time job I had, um, I would actually go to the office early sometimes. Like if I didn't want to, if I didn't feel like going to a coffee shop or something, I would go to the office um, and I wouldn't sit at my desk that I work at um, creative live stuff at. Um, For me, I wanted to feel that like mental separation, psychological separation, whatever it is. So I would just go and post up in a conference room um, at the actual office until people started to roll in. Then I would sort of, you know, transition over to, my work computer and getting back to work on creative live stuff. But yeah, I always used, you know, personal computer for personal work. That's, that's a definite important thing, especially if you're going to be doing anything at your office, even if it's on off hours. Yeah. I would say, I I agree with that with one small caveat, because I've done that as well. Um, Like you said, use your own equipment. You are technically like using their space and their lights and their overhead costs. So like, that that may you may want to go back and listen to uh episode seven of season one where we talk about whether you should tell your boss that you have a side gig or not i think uh we talked a lot there kind of depends on how your yeah, company views exactly. side hustles exactly and if they're okay with it which most companies frankly will be um and, and i i actually i'm a i'm a strong believer that all employees should have a side hustle i think there's a lot to be benefited on both sides um you know, the things you learn in your side business, you take to work and vice versa. So, um, yeah, but, but check with, check with your boss at least, and maybe have them run it up the flagpole and that kind of thing. If depending on, I mean, you know, your workplace, depending on what the culture of your workplace is, it may be worth checking that out before you, you know, go in every morning at five and work for three hours at at your, at your work office on your own things. There are some legal things too, just real quick. Like I'm not a lawyer and, and definitely you should, you know, seek legal counsel if you want to, but, um, but, there are some legal things in terms of who owns what. Like if you create things on their property using their building, they might own it depending on what you've signed and what your agreement, your employment agreement is and all that sort of thing. So just be careful. I think I think in you know most cases you'll be fine and it's a great suggestion. I just would say do your homework, be careful, talk to your boss about it probably, listen to episode seven of last season and probably you'll be set. Mm-hmm. I think we've gone through all of the main ones. I, I wanted to kind of throw in a question to you guys. When you've worked in co-working spaces, how did you find that experience? Because for, for me, when when I first actually went into a co-working space, 
it wasn't actually physically a co-working space. It was a brand new setup and I was the only person in there. So I found that separation really useful. So I had like my own office and I just sat nice. down and got on with work. But when other people started coming in, you know, like I might say, you know, start work at 10 and just plan to just sit down and focus all day. The other guys wanted to chat for an hour or like go out for lunch and stuff like that. And I felt very unsociable that I wanted to just sit there and, and work. Did you guys get any problems like that? Because I, I guess for me, what I'm saying is that co-working space for me was once there was quite a few people in there, it wasn't working for me the way that I imagined that I quite liked the, um, the privacy just to be able to just literally close the door and sit down and just crack on with things. Oh, that's Did you really guys interesting. experience any, I, anything similar? I'll let Ryan, um, probably talk about this one the most, but I, the only time I've worked in a co-working space was when we recorded last season of this podcast and I got a dedicated room so that um, on my lunch hour at my full-time job, we could record episodes of this show. So I don't know that it's really the same. Um, but Ryan, what experiences do you have? So I was in a WeWork space. Um, that's what I would call true co-working because when I was doing like workshop cafe, it was all by the hour. So with the by the hour thing, like the people that are in there aren't usually familiar faces. So I didn't have a lot of like interaction with people. People wouldn't interrupt me. Um, but with WeWork, yeah, it's kind of like the same people day in, day out. So Ian, I would say a little bit, I, I kind of had that experience with the people that I saw most frequently and the people that, you know, like I would strike up a conversation with one day when I'm feeling particularly social would come to me, you know, over in my little corner that I'm working in and want to talk maybe when I'm doing focused work, um, the next day. Right. So I would say that that happened a little bit, but, um, Biggest thing for me was having headphones in. Yeah. When I have headphones in, people That's typically don't yeah. walk up and try to talk to that me. That was the same on the train. So, you know, I rode the train for like five or six years, same train, same time. So after a while, you start to recognize people or you see people from the office also riding the train. And yeah, after a while, it was just like if the headphones were in, I noticed no one talked to me except for this one old guy who tried to sell me essential oils, which I won't get into. But other than that, like no one ever tried to talk to me if my headphones were in. But if my headphones were out, yeah, people all the time were trying to talk to me. So I think that's a good tip. I got to say, there was one massive advantage of that. Um, one of the, uh, there was only three other people. One of them actually turned into a client, which was fantastic because it ended up, um, yeah, making the whole experience worth it for me. Um, yeah. And I mean, yeah, I, obviously it's really cool to go into a place and actually meet up with other people. But I just think it's worth saying that with those spaces, you will, you know, if you do plan to use it for proper full on focus time, which I guess to some extent, which, which is what I really needed. Um, you know, if you need focus time, that's probably not right for you unless you are, you know, taking the approach of like headphones. Um, but if you do want to find a space where, you know, you can meet other people and, you know, network to some degree, that's when co-working spaces are fantastic. Yeah. And I'd say... And it's actually really funny you mentioned that client that came out of the conversations because I had, you know, multiple that almost turned into clients, right? Like I have a pretty specific niche of people I help. And so I think that's that's probably the only reason why one of them didn't materialize into a potential client. But yeah, just even being in the WeWork uh, co-working space, I ended up doing some work for WeWork. So funny how those things turn That's out. Incredible. I, I'd say too, like there's this, there's this natural loneliness factor to being on your own and running your own thing. And, and maybe this doesn't apply when you're side gigging, I guess, because 
you know, you go back to your nine to five or, or to your part-time job or whatever, and you, and you chat with people, but there is this, there's this like need for community. That's why these co-working spaces have been successful is because as human beings, we naturally crave sort of human relationships. So I think there are definitely advantages to co-working spaces, but, um, but I see what you're saying, Ian, like it can, it can be a real distraction. And especially when you have limited hours every week to work on your side hustle, I remember being so frustrated when someone would catch me on the train and talk to me because I'm like, do you not realize this is one of, you know, maybe 10 half hour periods that I have to work on this thing that I'm trying to build. And you've taken one of them away from me this week. And I would get so frustrated with people, but, um, yeah, I think, I think, you know, the headphone tip is a good one. And, uh, and, and I think it's all just about balance, like just figure out what your priorities are. And some days your priorities will be to hustle, hustle, hustle. Other days, your priorities will be to build relationships with other people. And as long as you keep that balance, I think, I think it all ends up, you know, working out. Yeah, great advice. And I found actually lunchtime to be like particularly good for grabbing lunch with someone that, you know, maybe you don't talk to during work time, but those offer opportunities for uh, getting to know people. Yeah, for sure. You can even say like, hey, look, I'm cranking on this thing for the next couple hours, but um, do you want to do lunch or something? You can always, I think people understand like there's work to be done. Um, And especially like in co-working spaces where you're all in similar situations, you can just say, you know, I, I have to finish this thing and then let's, let's chat or something. So, well, great. I think this was a great list. Any, any final thoughts, anything left to add? I don't think so. Not, not for me. Oh, I think that was okay, really good. Fantastic. Well, thank you guys so much. I think, um, this was a great episode one where of season two, we're clearly getting a little bit better at this whole thing. We're getting a little <laughs> more comfortable in our own skin. So I hope that um, the audience can appreciate that. We're going to have a lot of cool topics to talk about this season. We're going to talk about, um, where you should even get started if you're even thinking about building a side hustle, our favorite tools for running a side business, um, what are the biggest challenges that we face, the biggest sacrifices that we make as um, side hustlers, um, and then people like side hustlers and entrepreneurs, solopreneurs who inspire us, who, whose stories have helped us along our journey, and, and lots of other things. It's going to be a super fun season. I'm super excited to talk about um, all of these different topics with you guys. Today's conversation was great. We'll We'll cut it off there and um, we'll be back in next episode brilliant thanks guys yeah thank you and that's the show guys thank you so much for listening um i think it was a great conversation today i i love the points that um that the guys brought up particularly you know ryan talked about waking up early and finding some space somewhere where where you can get some work done there's there's a book by John Acuff who uh, wrote he wrote uh, Start and in Start he talks about the 5 a.m. club that at 5 a.m. hardly anyone in the world is going to be mad at you for working on something that you care about you know you're not taking away time from your family you're not taking time away from your job it's your time to get done what you need to get done um, I'll link up that that book in the show notes obviously which you can find at sidegigshow.com/slash two point one all of the different things we talked about in this episode including the new shows. Uh, new podcasts by the other co-hosts of this show, Ryan and Ian, will be linked up there as well. Uh, I just thought this was a fantastic conversation about how you can actually get work done on your side business. Maybe one of the biggest takeaways was just to make sure that you separate everything else in your life from the business that you're working on. When you sit down to work on your business, you're focused on that. You're not focused on your family. You're not focused on your day job. You're focused on your side business. And that kind of focus even in small amounts over a long period of time can make a lot of good things happen for you and for your side business. 
I want to one more time thank this season's sponsor, uh, findsidegigs.com. You can uh, try their free lead generation service at sidegigshow.com slash find. They'll send you some gig lists every week that can help you make a little extra money on the side. Thanks for listening. We will talk to you again next week. Until then, happy side hustling.